Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly Sarlo. And I'm Karen. What are we doing today? Um, I have a list. <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> um, so you and I write, or I write down in one of my books, um, different things that we want to talk about in doing podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, things that kind of come along from time to time so that we can go through them. So I thought what I would do is sit down with the list in front of me and see which ones I like. Okay. <laughs> and one of the first ones I like. <laughs> do I get a vote? Yeah, you can oh, You okay. can say you, you don't like this. Or maybe um, just not today. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And we can talk about it another time. Absolutely. Sure. But, and Kelly, like it's going to be all over the place because... Because that's who you are? Yes. And I don't remember the stories. I remember oh, okay. the couple, like, I'll go, oh, it says Tara. Dad died before she was born. Her dad likes her stepdad. We already her... did that one. There's a whole show on that, Dad? <laughs> There's a whole show on that. Shit. Okay. You were there and everything. This is actually the list of the shows we have taped. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move to a different list. <laughs> okay. my god I am, okay that's how bad okay. my memories okay um oh okay I'm gonna put this away I do know what I want to talk about sure. today I want to talk about um what I've learned and what you have learned um about people pleasers uh, um and and I don't just mean from the sessions because yeah. you and I learn from the sessions about people pleasers mm-hmm. Um, but also, we, we also learn from the spirit world what they've learned, yes. having spent their life as people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, what we can offer is that we're, we're not two therapists sitting down counseling people about people pleasing, but we're two mediums that can connect to people who've crossed over and say, did they ever learn their lesson? Mm-hmm. Or what lessons did they learn because of the people pleasing. So are you okay with that as a topic? Yeah, I love it. And I think it's really neat because when you say that we're not two therapists, not in a, in a certified manner, but Mm -hmm. I do life coach. So Mm -hmm. it's been a really fun journey. Um, and, and a really frustrating journey in the same breath, uh, to be the medium who has learned from the other side and then been able to life coach some of those clients, uh, based on the lessons that I've been able to hear. So you know, that's, that's a very unique, um, experience that I'm, I'm privileged to, I think. Can we throw in there that you have, uh, four years of formal university education in psychology? Yeah, you can throw that in. However, um, I think anyone who's taken a psych degree will say, well, that never came up. Um, because it's such a general thing, right? In, in your four-year undergrad, you're just touching on some of the most basic concepts. Uh, you're not necessarily diving into, uh, proper communication, healthy communication, uh, or open dialogue for that matter. Okay. Um, so it's not something that is specific to a psychology degree okay. at, at such a basic level. Well, I freaking love what you just said. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about a healthy conversation and the fact that if you are a people pleaser, that many people pleasers don't even know the definition of a healthy conversation. Right. Because they believe all of their conversations are healthy because they're trying to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. So if my goal is to make another person happy, doesn't that by default make me honest and a good person? And the answer, of course, is... Hell no. No. 
but they don't want to see that in themselves. So this, okay, let's keep going. Okay. Sorry, I you thought you were gonna going to say... and then oh, you stop and I you say, let's keep going. I thought you were going to say something. Well, I can at any point in time, but we're just kind of going back and forth here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some of the best lessons I learned, I guess, are, are, will come through in this session too, in the fact that I was a people pleaser. As was I. And in particular in careers, and this one doesn't allow me to be anymore, except that sometimes it still presents itself and I have to catch myself Mm -hmm. so that when I'm channeling that I am not worried about what a person thinks about their message or if they're going to do something um, good or bad with that, but where all those judgments can come in around what people can do about what is said in sessions and that it's not my focus and it's not my intention to please them. My intention has to be to tell the truth. And that's the difference between people pleasing and being having integrity or having an intention to be real in the relationship. So one of the things that I got from the spirit world, first of all, when they've crossed over, when they have to when they go back and they review how they lived that life or other lifetimes, they have to go back and see the consequences of what happened when they weren't truthful, but that they wanted to be people pleasing. So they wanted to fix things. They wanted control. Um, And that they don't really want to accept the fact that they are controlling people, because they really want to say that they're just really good people. They're nice. These are nice girls, nice boys, nice men and women but they don't ever see themselves as manipulators. They don't see themselves as withholders. They don't see the other aspect. They focus clearly on I'm good because I'm people pleasing. They don't see all the other aspects of what that means. Well, and I think some people don't identify it as people pleasing. They'll, they'll consider like you're saying, I'm making them happy. Yep. I'm putting others first. Yes. I'm selfless. Right. This whole bullshit society of be selfless put others before yourself mm-hmm. um no healthy boundaries whatsoever um so you have no idea what your own needs are and you're constantly in living in someone else's reality trying to figure out what their needs are oh right? i love that because it means eventually over a period of years and decades that they don't even know what their own needs are what they even think anymore right and that's what we mean by their own reality now, I want to back up because you, I think, to my knowledge, threw out a lot of different terminology that maybe people don't identify with. And uh, one of the first things was you kept repeating that they're not truthful. And I think that's really interesting because oftentimes in our sessions, um, people will come through from the other side to either talk about themselves or the client in front of us and say, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. And it's very harsh. It, it, it does come out in mm-hmm. that harsh of a tone and that harsh of a language Um, and people obviously don't necessarily know how to identify themselves as a liar because they think they're pleasing others or they're being kind or considerate. Um, but what we mean by liar is not being truthful to the self, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, if you say to me, and this is always my go-to example, um, Hey Kelly, can you run in and grab my, my, um, dry cleaning? Can you do the dishes and can you do a whole bunch of things? And I go, yeah, no problem. And there's that knee-jerk reaction where I don't take a pause to think about what I need, what my timeline is like for my day. I have not considered myself in anything. Then I've automatically given you a yes. 
And if I really stop and think about whether I want to, and if I'm capable of doing those things, whether it's time or resources, and any one of those considerations is a no, the yes that I've given you is a lie, especially if I've added no problem, right? Um, and I hope that hits home with people because we, we so often do this to each other. Um, so do you want anything to add to the liar part? Well, probably lots. Oh, okay. But I was just listening. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it had, because we're trying to define what a people pleaser is in different ways. Mm-hmm. Because one of the very first things that is so very difficult is, as you said, so many people won't see themselves as a people pleaser. Um, or if they do, they don't understand that people pleasing is codependence, that it is unhealthy. And that they're going to be offended by that because they can go into their ego believing that they're good people and that they're they're living their lives well until they hit a certain, I'll say age, where all of a sudden they're ill or they're depressed and they don't understand why they have a depression. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why they ha- they're angry or why all of a sudden all the things that they've done, this is another one. I've done all these things for this child, this husband, this friend, this job, and they don't appreciate it. That's when you know you're a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. that you feel unappreciated. That's one of your first signs right there. And, um, and that we put it on the other person that they're supposed to appreciate us for our problem and for our lack of immaturity in being able to be to move through the people pleasing. And I think it's often our overextension as people pleasers where and because when you're saying that's your number one flag, we overextend ourselves mm-hmm. uh, past the point of being honest about why or when we need to stop mm-hmm. extending um, and then we get angry. And this was another thing I wanted to bring up is the anger, because I've said to plenty of clients, oh, you're full of rage. And they're like, oh, no, things are great. My marriage is lovely. My job is wonderful um, that, you know, they've got all the excuses in the book of why their their life is so great, but they're filled with rage. And when you have to sit down and explain to them, well, you overextend to so many people in your life. You don't put yourself first. You don't rest. You push through your pain, your physical pain. Um, you go through bouts of depression um, and you don't speak up for yourself. Oh, yeah, that's true. And it's like, okay, well, that's rage. There, there's an anger, mm-hmm. not even sitting under the surface. It's it's bubbling there. Like it's it's waiting for an explosion. And as you and I both know, most people pleasers swing the pendulum to extremes. So we're either sitting on the far end of people pleasing until we've overextended ourselves so much that now we need to swing it back into full control. I'm going to do everything my way, screw everyone, that we can't find this happy middle ground of healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Or, or healthy boundaries, but also clear communication. Right. So one of the things people pleasers struggle with, what I've seen, both people alive and who've crossed over, is that, except that most of the people who've crossed over already understand this about them, themselves mm-hmm. and the life they lived, is that they didn't have other tools to communicate. They didn't trust the partner to whoever the partner is to be able to take their no's mm-hmm. or to take their I can'ts or I don't want to or maybe later or not yet. 
Um, but all of these other things that we could have said, or I, the, I don't understand what you're asking of me. Could you clarify that? And instead, they just jump into the do the people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Or do it myself. Or do it myself and take control. I think a lot of them don't understand that you're that they are trying to have control over maybe not another person, but maybe events mm -hmm. or um, outcomes. Mm -hmm. I just wanted the birthday party to be perfect. And so they people please, they jumped in, they took control because they wanted something to be perfect. Maybe the person who's having the birthday party has no issues with anything being perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just love the fact that learning from the spirit world, how beautiful it is when they understand why then they were, when you talk about being angry, that they can also recognize that they weren't just angry, but they were depressed mm -hmm. and, and they had ang sorry. Sorry. I was just going to add, because I think a lot of people will not identify with depression, mm -hmm. will not want to admit it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to also throw out the word exhausted mm -hmm. because I think people are far more likely to admit to their own exhaustion than mm -hmm. whether it's physical and they just feel like they're pushing through the day mentally mm -hmm. and emotionally um, than admitting to actual depression. But yes. Well, it just speaks to me, and I, well, I was going to say at the end of that sentence was, and also anxiety. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people feel anxiety and don't understand that their anxiety comes from their people-pleasing behaviors mm -hmm. and belief systems. So the people-pleasing has a whole series of behaviors and a whole list of beliefs behind that, mm -hmm. that if I'm a good wife, a good mother, a good friend, a good employee, a good sister, whatever, but they're role driven. So it's only when you look at what you believe that role is, if I'm a good husband, I have to do what my wife is asking of me. Mm -hmm. um, I have to keep the peace. Or um, she'll be angry and oh, there'll be hell to pay this evening in the house or mm -hmm. the, 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 the kids won't be happy. Um, or when dad comes home, the house has to be a certain way or the kids do. And you keep the people pleasing going. And that's part of the codependence. Mm -hmm. That can go into addictions. That can go into, um, I'll say, a suppressed immune system. Mm -hmm. And I bring it all over the place, Kelly, because it's a very physical thing. We're talking about depression, which is a physical thing. Yeah. You just step into a doctor's office and get a doctor's note. And because we want the physical piece of paper saying I'm not able to cope anymore. But not being not coping sometimes means that if we were able to look at the fact that we had to stop a pattern first, would we have gotten down that road to needing the prescription saying I can't go to work for six months because I'm not dealing really with my issues, but I'm going to call it that I'm clinically depressed mm -hmm. but underneath the depression as you said is the anger and beyond that is the the I'm not being true to myself but I'm not going to bother being responsible I'm just going to take six months off to see if I can find another job or I have to sleep mm -hmm. but I'm not really coming back to work having dealt with anything right I think that's really neat how you pointed out that people pleasing the bottom issue is not being responsible. Yeah, Because they, they probably view themselves as being over-responsible. That's right. That they have to do everything, be everywhere, to everyone, right? Right. Um, and yet there's a complete lack of responsibility for your own voice, for your own health, 
uh, and for other people actually getting their lessons, because this is another thing that when we overextend ourselves, and you had, you had mentioned fixing, uh, stepping into the fixing role, is we take the responsibility out of someone else's hand and make it ours. And so if someone else was supposed to get a certain lesson, learn a certain task, um, whatever that may be, then we rob them of the opportunity to do that for themselves. And that's their own soul contract. That's their own life path. Mm -hmm. And that's where their ego comes in, the people pleaser, thinking that they know better than the universe. They know better than another person, Mm -hmm. whether it's their spouse, whether it's who doesn't matter who it is, they think they know better. That is a full blown ego tantrum. And I love that. I love that you put it that way because I was I was merely going to say arrogant, but I I like the tantrum part better because we think um, the people pleasers are so kind and so loving and so so caring and nurturing, and we throw out all these beautiful uh, words that we I think sometimes aspire to, hopefully in an, in a, a way of integrity, but they're not. It's it's completely about I want it my way, and the arrogance of I know better. Yeah. And, and like, I remember in, uh, in a session where a woman came through and she was talking about being a real people pleaser and keeping the marriage together. And um, that she didn't realize until she crossed over that she had had another life path, that she had had an, that in another life path, she could have met another person mm-hmm. had she chosen to leave, had she chosen to stop the people pleasing and face reality. So the people pleasing sometimes is what colludes another person's reality so that they believe the marriage or the job or whatever is happy or safe or good when in reality there's there really is no foundation mm-hmm. so sometimes i know in the treatments i'll say well your partner who's passed over is saying your marriage had no foundation um that you did the people pleasing Mm-hmm. And that they were always frustrated with you. They wanted you to make your own decisions. They tried to help you. And you saw that as fighting. Huh. And they're like, oh, yeah, he was such a bugger. He was fighting with me all the time. And it's like, okay, did you hear that? He was trying to ask you to have integrity, to be truthful. He was trying to call you out on the people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And you saw that as fighting that's not fighting that's holding you accountable yes he was trying to hold you accountable to being truthful to he wanted to give you a safe enough place to be loved Mm -hmm. and instead you ran you withheld the truth and that to me is a form of verbal abuse withholding well it's not just to you that's that's a it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not just an opinion Mm -hmm. oh Um, i see what you mean thank you yes Mm -hmm. i i want to talk about someone one of the biggest lessons in my life because I was a people pleaser. Um, so the one of the, the biggest people to kind of bring that to light and kind of force me out of it uh, was my brother, Andrew. Oh, God, yes. Um, I just love and adore him. Um, he, We have a very good relationship, very strong. We work hard at it. We, we work hard at our communication. Um, but before, when I was in my people-pleasing mode, I had that mentality of taking everything personally right? And we do as a society, we're offended by every fucking thing. Um, And I took everything personally if someone gave me a no, right? So I always wanted to spend time with him. I always wanted to just hang out with him and kind of be in his company. Um, And so I would, I would ask him to join me to certain events or just kind of come over and hang out. And he, 
never seemed to have a problem saying no. That's so true. <laughs> and, you know, he used to skip out on family dinners when we were young with the, with extended family for holidays. And me being the people pleaser, it made me so anxious that he would say no because I wanted the happy family. Um, I wanted that image of everything's good and together. And there was my brother disrupting everything. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. And I remembered feeling like I hated him. But then thinking on certain occasions, well, shit, I actually don't really want to go to this function either. Mm -hmm. But I'm going because I'm a good girl and I'm a good daughter and I'm a good granddaughter and I'm a good niece and all this, those roles that I, I wanted to play or I thought I wanted to play. And I got angry because he wasn't there uh, because he got his way because I knew he was at home having fun, doing what he wanted to do. And it wasn't until years later, probably into my very early 20s, when when I would invite him out and he would say no and I would say, is there a reason? I didn't want to make him defend himself, uh, but I wanted to know how come. And, and sometimes it was just simply, oh, because I don't feel like it. Sometimes there was a time issue. Um, but in in all of his reasoning for saying no, I got to hear that he was honest. And mm -hmm. if he didn't want to, he just said, I'm not into that concert. I'm not into that show. Um, I'm too tired right now. I just don't, I don't want to. Can I add too that he would say things like, I don't like that person? Yeah. He was very straightforward about mm -hmm. who, what kind of company he wanted to keep. And it wasn't until that point in my life where I could really, really appreciate his nose mm -hmm. because I, but it was through conversation, right? It was through me questioning and saying, could you please tell me why? Um, I would like to understand. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't for him to defend. It was for me to understand where the no was coming from or the intention. And so when I could understand that it wasn't personal, he wasn't saying, I don't want to hang out with you. He was saying he wasn't interested in the event that I wanted to go to. Yeah. Or the person that we, were, we would be with or the place that we were going, whatever that, that thing was. It wasn't about me and our relationship. And so the best part of his no's turned out to be that when he said yes, I knew for certain that he wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. I never had to look at him anxiously and say, are you having fun? Are you good? Or do you, do you want to stay? It was, I was so comfortable being with him because the, the yes was as honest as the no. Mm -hmm. He gave permission too for the rest of us in the family. Um, I think, for me anyway, I'll say for me, mm -hmm. to think about the fact that there are healthy no's and that if people ask you what those are and you want to share them, you can, but that you also have the right to say your no's and not have to explain yourself yeah. and not be shamed. Absolutely. He, this was just an absolutely incredible gift, I think, that he's taught both you and I, that you don't always have to give a reason why. Mm -hmm you're not people pleasing other people. It can simply be, and this is where responsibility comes in, that my business really is my business and that it is not personal to you if I say no. Mm -hmm. It's my stuff. And society blends and has demolished boundaries. Mm -hmm. They don't even exist anymore. And it, it's, I think this, the, the reason I wanted to do this talk today was because we do need those healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. We do need to remove shame out of things, of shaming our partners to go to, to mom's for dinner or to Christmas dinner. Um, or the work party. You know, the, yeah, the Christmas work party, whatever. But that with good communication 
with honesty and with, I'll say, kindness, not a meanness and throwing things at people. Good, clear, honest communication gives you a space where you're allowed to do your own thinking. Mm-hmm. And when you have made your decision, that you're allowed to share it, but you have to offer a safe place for each other to be respectful of it. Mm-hmm. And there's so much in our society now where there's no, th- nobody's interested in giving anybody respect anymore, let alone listening to them. Mm-hmm. But I, I think th- this is, there, there are places and there are relationships, there are instances, even standing in a Tim Hortons lineup where mm-hmm. you're ordering and they say, and do you want anything with that? that you're allowed to take your pause to figure out if you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so many people don't. Mm-hmm. And we do have the right to do that. But one of the big things I think you and I have touched on so far with people pleasing is the amount of shame they get buried under. If they don't do what they think that they're supposed to do or what mm-hmm. somebody else has told them they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that whether it's society that's told them or whether it's their culture or their religion or their family unit, or their work environment. Mm -hmm. And that you do have a right, even if it's your boss telling you to do something, you might think you have no choice. Yes, you do. Because you still have a choice to quit your job. And some people think, oh, no, I don't. I have a pension. I have to stay here. No, that's still a choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I have five kids at home and I have to pay bills. You still have a choice. So a lot of people who people please make up false statements where they put themselves into a corner with no choice, truly believing these things, and they're not true. Mm -hmm. So I would say you could sit down and write a a little jot, like a little list on a post-it note of the things that you believe, and then actually ask yourself or ask somebody else if they're actually true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do that with my clients as an activity. Oh, I know you and I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm perfect. Oh, okay. I, I'm just suggesting to other people because part of the people pleasing comes because they think they're supposed to do those things. Mm-hmm. If I don't do it, my husband won't do it. Really? Well, maybe just because you've been doing it for so long. That's right. You've never given him the opportunity to. Or even if you have given him the opportunity, him or her, whatever, and they're not doing it, then or when he- you stop the people pleasing and you see that the partner is not doing those things, it's time for you to face the reality that they're not the partner you want them to be. Right. And you are the fixer. And as long as you think that you're sticking around to do the fixing, you stay in a cycle of abuse. Right. And I this is something that I really, really loved. And I don't know if it was Pat- uh, Patricia Evans in her book, but... Um, or maybe it was Melody Beattie with the codependency, but talking about that when you play the role of the fixer, so long as you stay in that role, you will create the partner that is the breaker. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because if we're going to fix, then we need someone in our life to break things. Yes. Otherwise, we have no role to fulfill. You have no partnership. Right. As it stands at that point, Mm -hmm. unless you're both willing to move into a new partnership together. Mm -hmm. And you have to both agree. If one, so many of our clients will come in and say, yeah, but if I'm willing to do the work, my husband sent me and it's like, or my wife sent me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm broken. She sent me for you to fix. And it's like, if you're both not willing to do your own fixing, that this is not a functioning, healthy relationship. Yes. Sorry. My head went elsewhere. Um, you were also talking about, uh, 
when we take control and we have to do things and we don't give the opportunity for another person to do the mm-hmm. task, we say, well, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, some, I think a lot of the people's control comes from they won't do it my way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I remember when we were taking quite a few trips out of town at one point um, where you would load the, the trunk early before we left. Mm. And I said to you, don't worry, you're working. I'll load the trunk. And you kind of had checked in with me a couple hours before we were supposed to leave. And I, I hadn't done it yet. And I don't know if there was some anxiety on your part that it should be packed and you wanted to go for a certain time. But I, I did it just before we left and I packed it like a Tetris place. And you were like, holy shit, this is great. And it's like, okay, I might not have done it on your time. It got done. And you found out that maybe some spatial skills were there that you hadn't considered. I won't say that you don't have. In a big way. And that I don't, I don't have. Okay. You pack better than I do. You do Tetris everything in this house (laughs) and everything in the car. And it's fantastic. And I love it. And I appreciate it. Thank God I let it go. Yeah. And, and that, that was the point that I wanted to make was even though I hadn't done it in your time, um, there was opportunity because you didn't step in to do it and think I was still breaking something right? By not having done it on your time. Mm -hmm. But that when I did finally get around to it, it was done well and in a way that you actually could appreciate and didn't know. And from past relationships where I had asked prior people to do things, they never did follow through. I get that. Wait, I just good. I know you do. But I just want to say it for people. So in the past relationship where I am asking, uh, I'll say an, a partner, a, a, a whatever, another partner. You being two people pleasing right now? No, I'm just trying to make it general, general? so people okay. can fall into okay. and place whoever they need to in this place. Yeah. That that person would always say they would do it, they wouldn't do it, and literally we would get to the car to go out of town, and it wouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And I would have to do it at the last minute. So there were a lot of head games going on at right. that, I'll say head games just as a non-technical term where that was a different type of control, where Mm -hmm. somebody who is not doing what they say and what they promise and not following through is totally exerting a a passive and a very kind of aggressive control over me, Mm -hmm. and which sets me into a pattern of anxiety. Right. So now fast forward that that person is no longer around and I still may have that same trigger being pressed because I'm going to assume that no matter who I ask to help me with anything, fill in blanks, mm-hmm. person, blank thing, I have anxiety over everything now. So I can take that to work. I can take that into friendships. I have anxiety everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think people can really identify with that kind of an anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you go to work and you're, you're getting evaluated and your boss is saying you've got all these issues. And you're looking at them like, well, of course I'm doing it this way because you have to do it at home this way. You don't understand yeah. that at work you're being a poor um, co-worker. You don't know how to be part of a team. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at you saying, you're just not a team player. We have to let you go. And you're looking at them going, what the hell do you mean? I rock at team playing. I load the car. I take care of the kids. I take I- one for the team. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You yeah. totally can't understand that your anxiety is triggering these things. And and I really do say those are the trigger points. Because in the energy healing part of what you and I do, we get to see those triggers. Yeah. 
we get to say that trigger is held in your muscles. It's held in your twitch in your eye. It's held in your right calf muscle that keeps cramping. Yeah. It hel- it's held in that psoas muscle that keeps spasming or is so lazy you can't, they're, they're, you're There's having no problems stability. with mobility. Yeah. Right. So all of these things, because of all the different gifts and all the different things that you and I do, we get to see the people pleasing, the behavior, the experiences, the belief systems, the triggers, and we get to do the energy healing to heal all of those things. So then I can have a day where I get up and I say, we're going to Timmins. I'll just pull up Timmins. And do you, can, do you have time to pack? And now you give the yes and the promise. And I don't have to go back to the same trigger mm-hmm. where I run out to the car and I've got to do it. But that I'm, my trigger's not there. My anxiety is gone. You're doing it in your own terms and in your own timing. I can come out to the car. You've Tetris the trunk and we've moved forward. Yeah. And it truly is healing and moving forward. And I think, and it is a true letting go. And I like, I like this because it teaches people that we can combine being a medium to get that information, a medical intuitive. You okay? Yep. Oh, a medical intuitive because we're getting the medical information that we're doing energy healing at the same time to help the triggers emotionally and that we can reset the patterns in the brain because we love that aspect of the energy healing with thoughts and that it's done with the intention that if this is what's best for you at this time in your life and it's your free will to choose this, the energy healing is there as, a, as an option like on a smorgasbord. You can take it and have it. We're not fixing you and doing it for you. And now how do you go out into life and how does your life change physically mm-hmm. and solidly in those relationships? And I, and I think that's why I love the combination of all these gifts mm-hmm. and, and the importance that when somebody books an appointment and says, well, I just want medium. And I say, well, why don't you open it up to as many as possible if, you, if you're open to it? Because they can come in and help you heal in a complete way. Instead of something where perhaps a prescription comes in and addresses the depression Mm -hmm. and you take something for depression without identifying the belief system behind what caused the depression. Yeah. Because now you're just living with the same pattern, but you're medicated. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, yeah. And I know like for some people who might say that the drugs worked well, I don't, I don't know who that is because I haven't heard that before, but where the chemicals are fixed properly, right? Because the, the drugs are, are targeting the chemicals in the brain. Like you're saying, the way of thinking is still not there. The coping mechanisms are still not there. The belief system that is hindering your behaviors, which triggers the depression all over again, hasn't shifted. Right. And so we're really treating things topically if we're not looking at the whole. Well, and if we're using the drugs to change the chemicals in the brain and we're not dealing with the issue, then why are we changing the chemicals in the brain? What's wrong with them? What is wrong? What's going on mm-hmm. that we feel that we have to change that? Yeah. Instead of addressing, it's like seeing the elephant in the room and wanting to deal with cleaning the dishes. Because the chemicals, the chemicals are a natural reaction to your pattern of thinking. And so the pattern has to come first for the chemicals to shift, right? I don't get a rush of adrenaline or cortisol in the body 
on a regular basis. But if I have a concert I'm looking forward to, I'm going skydiving this weekend, then my body naturally elevates those those um, neurotransmitters, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm anticipating, because something is coming. But it had to be my way of thinking to anticipate an event for the chemical to change. So it's the pattern that needs to shift first. And those chemicals naturally come to a state of their, you know, their ebb and flow. I love this. I love this conversation because I hope some 16-year-old is sitting in her bedroom with anxiety over tests or over some issue and go, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's got nothing to do with school. There, uh, it's got about, to do with this issue at home. How or, about there's nothing wrong with me? Yeah. Because I think so many people go into, how come there's something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hold up a sec. There's so many other contributing factors as to why you're in this state. Mm-hmm. Love it. Had no idea this is what we we're going to talk about. It, you know what, Kelly? I love it too because... I want chocolate. Oh, <laughs> I love it too. Well, you go ahead. It's right behind you on the counter. And I don't think anybody listening will fault you for getting chocolate. Oh, no, because we're talking about chemicals in the brain. (laughs) Right? I think it admits the same thing as being in love. And we don't have that, so I'm going for chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Okay. So, and I love this conversation because I I hope that if somebody likes this conversation, that they can take this and play it or send it off to somebody else and say, could you listen to this podcast and could we have coffee later? Because these two are crazy. (laughs) But hopefully it opens up a dialogue. Even if it's the dialogue between a girlfriend and another girlfriend or whatever two people in combination of roles that you're sitting in right now, where if you are the people pleaser, that you might understand now that there's a choice that there are healthy options, there are tools. We've we've also mentioned Patricia Evans. We've mentioned, uh, can, I, can I mention a few I adore? Yeah, I, I think this is really funny because in all of the ups and downs that you've had in your life, you at one point started referring to these, um, these authors as your friends. Oh, they're all my girlfriends. And so, and I hope one of them is hearing this too, because I would go out to volleyball yeah. or I would go out to the, the Raven with friends and I'd say, okay, I hope you have a fun night. I'm, I'm heading out. And you'd say, oh yeah, I'm having tea with Patricia Evans. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I haven't met her. But then I started catching on because the books were by these authors and what you meant was I'm having tea and reading the book. Yeah. And for you, and, and I think for many of us, when you get into a book, you're right in it. Hey, how many people think J.K. Rowling is their best friend? Uh, me. Okay. And I could go on with lists of all different types of authors, Hunger Games, all, yeah. all The Hobbit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people can identify, I'll say, with a book or maybe the writer of certain TV shows, yep. Shonda Rhimes yep. or whatever, that, that they identify with these people as, uh, or TV personalities as their best friends. Mm-hmm. So for me, for many, many years, I felt really isolated. And the people pleasing does make you feel isolated too, by the way, because you're better than everyone else. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'm a good person. I'm a good girl. That's that nice girl syndrome by Beverly Angel. Another one of my girlfriends Mm -hmm. (laughs) that doesn't know she's my friend. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) there's there are so many I, I went into reading all of these books about all of this and ha- I'll say having coffee with the authors because they were healthy people. And I, at that time, I couldn't find enough healthy individuals in my life 
and I'll be quite honest, I also had went through that period of time where I couldn't afford therapy. So if the therapist was going to be my healthy person, I didn't have the money to get there. Mm-hmm. But if I had $17 to buy Codependent No More by Melody Beattie, and I could make my own tea or my own coffee and sit by Trout Lake or Lake Nipissing, um, um, or in the living room, wherever, mm-hmm. in the car when somebody was shopping, I was taking every opportunity I could to literally sit with these healthy people and educate myself because I needed the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I needed the, the to be able to communicate to others what was unhealthy. And when I saw my own people pleasing, I could identify it. But they also gave me all the tools. These women wrote tools. Nina Brown, Children of the Self-Absorbed. She taught she, me. She wrote The Nice Girl Syndrome. The Nice Girl Syndrome is Beverly Angel. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Ni- um, self, Children of the Self-Absorbed mm-hmm. about narcissists is Nina Brown. And I remember reading her book thinking, wow, I'm a people pleaser. How many of my partners are narcissists? Because if I'm a people pleaser, there's a damn good chance a lot of my partners are narcissists because I want to people please. And the narcissist says, it's all about me, baby. I'll take so, it. I'll take it. Keep people pleasing me. We have a great relationship. Which, yeah. So I had to learn about narcissism. I had to be able to identify it mm-hmm. because as a people pleaser, I was attracting narcissists mm-hmm. and thinking those were wonderful, great relationships because if I'm people pleasing you and you like that, then it's, it's serving the purpose of your narcissism. Mm-hmm. You are a good person. And my people pleasing is never going to call you out because I'm not allowed to. So you're safe in your narcissism. I will collude your reality. So very a lot of people pleasers collude another person's unhealthy reality. Mm-hmm. Simple as can be, including your children into believing that they're going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. The people-pleasing of parents. I think every Northern Ontario listener just stopped listening. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? But good. That's probably true. I might have lost a lot of listeners in Ontario or in Canada by saying not every single kid in the country can be the next Wayne Gretzky. Well, that's just a reality. But if my people, if I'm a people-pleaser, I would want to apologize and take that back and say they all are going to be Wayne Gretzky's. All of them. Really. We're going to have like 50,000 Wayne Gretzky's. No, no, we're not. But if I'm colluding that reality and being a people pleaser, I have to make sure that I'm not busting anybody's bubble. Mm -hmm. And some people might think, yeah, but my kid loves hockey. I didn't say they didn't. Yeah, but my kid wants to be. I didn't say they didn't want to be. Yeah, but my kid wants to play in the NFL. I didn't say they couldn't. Oh, we're doing two different sports now. Oh, NFL? Oh, NHL. Oh, geez, they are going to hate me. <laughs> I love you. I oh, just had a friend last night who told are. me good luck at volleyball to get a, to get a goal. <laughs> okay. See, we can have nerds too. Okay. I guess I am a sport nerd. I worked. Is that, is, is that a good way? No. Not a good way of We're going to get back on, t- on track. Okay. Good enough. Um, one of the things that I, I really found... Um, Hmm. Disheartening at the time, but eye-opening and then ultimately healing 
was when I found out that as a people pleaser, people didn't actually like me. Oh my God, yes. Uh, and you touched on it very briefly beforehand. Yeah. And I remember, um, mm-hmm. I remember understanding that uh, later in life. And I, I think I really got it too when you were going through your separation because you had been that people pleaser for so long and Andrew and I were working very hard to kind of bring you outside of yourself uh, to figure out who you really were. And so we would say, where do you want to go eat if we were going out for, uh, you know, for food at a restaurant? And you would say, oh, anywhere you guys want. And it was like, well, fuck, what do you want to eat? You know, like we decide all the time, where do you want to go? And that's my withholding. Yeah. And I think this is neat because there's a lot of things that are happening in that one conversation, right? So Mm -hmm. someone might say, well, maybe you and Andrew are people pleasing because you want your mom to be happy. But there's equalness. There's sharing. Some nights Andrew decides. Some night I decide. And I say, I definitely need Thai tonight. Um, And he might say, I definitely won't eat Thai. Can we find a happy medium? There's so many different ways to, to problem solve the situation. But if you have someone who's never, ever contributing, you're never certain that they're happy being with you or doing what you're doing. And so Andrew and I kind of said, we're going to pull the car over, figure out where you want to eat. We'll wait until you know where you want to go. I remember that night. Mm-hmm. And I, re- if I remember correctly, we had to come back home because I was crying. Mm-hmm. And, and the backup story to that is that in my past, when I did say what I wanted, I wasn't listened to. Right. So if I did say, I want Greco's, I want pizza. Then it was, well, uh, you know what, but you don't eat enough pizza and I want steak. So what if we go to a steakhouse and you can order the pizza and I'll eat the rest of it. So the people pleasing, I'll say in some part came as a result of that I was never being listened to anyway. Mm -hmm. So I gave up. And I think that's important for some people to hear. Tell me what you gave up because... Thinking. Pardon me. Thank you. Because I think people, uh, it's a very cliched term, right? I gave up. But what is it that you gave up? Thinking. I gave up speaking. I gave up voicing. I gave up trying. I became so passive um, because there was no response. Mm -hmm. So if I did say that I wanted the pizza, we ended up at a steakhouse. At a steakhouse. So why did you ask me anyway? Mm-hmm. And so eventually, and I know there are people that are listening to this going, now this conversation is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. I am a people pleaser because I got here because nobody ever listened to me anyway. Yeah. And so this is where I have to say, well, I have to, you have to be able to recognize within yourself that you're dying, mm-hmm. that that's not a healthy relationship. That's when I that's when I have to make the choice to get out of those relationships. Thank you. Because what I I was I'll say afraid of is that they go back into fixing. Well, if I know yes. I feel this way because they're not listening, I'll I'll just work harder to make them listen. Oh, I did do that though. And it's like, yeah. well, no. You're done. Yes. If you're at the point of not feeling like you matter and you're at the point of not having a voice, yes. It's done. Oh, it's been done before that. It was done Way before that, mm-hmm. when the partner, whoever the partner is, coworker, whatever, again, shut down. When they shut you down to keep control over you, you're already in a control over relationship. You just don't know it because you weren't educated to know it. Take in, bring in Patricia Evans again, <laughs> and a good bar of chocolate. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm the verbally abusive relationship. 
So I, I'm throwing out, and boy, when people listen to the podcast, I bet you someday Patricia Evans is going to phone us because people are going to hear this name constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beverly Angel and um, the emotionally abusive relationship because people need the education around it. Like I said, the Nina Brown studying narcissism, sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's our own children that are the sociopaths and we've encouraged them to be one. Mm-hmm. Because we people please so much that we don't ever teach our children that our feelings matter. Mm-hmm. So we raise a sociopath or um, a narcissist because of our own people pleasing patterns and behaviors and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Good? Absolutely. And it's an our responsibility that, that this person has become this way because of our own behavior. Mm-hmm. Just as the partner who's being the narcissist towards me doesn't listen to me, doesn't validate my thoughts, my wants or my needs, encourages me to be the people pleaser. Mm -hmm. But where I have to draw the line is, is being able to recognize it and say no. No. And no means you can't be in my life. Yeah. And here's something because this is this is heading home with a personal issue with friends right now is If you are that people pleaser and you've been encouraged to be that way because you have a narcissist or vice versa, Mm -hmm. when you do the walking away, you are not responsible to be someone else's karma. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of, and that goes back to the pendulum that we were talking about, that when people pleasers come out of it, they typically swing to, instead of passive aggressive, they swing into aggressive. Yeah. And um, Mm -hmm. that's just none of your business. Mm Mm-hmm. It, the, the only responsibility that you have, and it's a big enough one as is, is to come back to your own choices, your own decisions, and your own healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. It is not your responsibility to be someone else's karma. Mm-hmm. Good? Mm-hmm. Anywhere else you want to go with that? Um, I don't, like, when we were talking at the beginning about it, about learning from spirits who've crossed over. I just kind of wanted to bring it back to the medium part because some of it's about reading the books and it's about life experiences that we've had ourselves or with clients. Oh, I would like to share something from the other side. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) It sounds so weird. Um, When the other side comes through for the client in front of us and says, yeah, I was an asshole. And the people pleasers sitting in front of us is going, no, they were lovely. I loved them. Yeah, they yeah. loved me so much. And it's like, okay, that's great. But they're saying that they were an asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our, our need to people please and our need to see the best in others all the time, it, it, we miss our opportunities to see reality. Oh, and yeah. And we also miss the opportunity to receive an apology. Yes. And those apologies are, are always um, very needed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that person, you know, is standing there on the other side saying, this is how I behaved. These were the consequences. These are the patterns I set in motion for this person. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I was a jerk. And the other person's going, no, 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 it's okay. I loved you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, look, it's great that you love them, but it wasn't okay for them to behave that way. And they're saying sorry. Mm-hmm. And how much the people pleasers still won't allow them to own their own stuff, which yeah. is part of what people pleasers do. They don't let the other person accept who they are either. Mm-hmm. So the the whole concept of colluding realities is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that example, Kelly. I can think of like really clearly some so many clients that have come in 
where, like you say, the other when they've passed over the Especially spirit, a parent. Yeah, where they want to take responsibility for raising. Oh, I just had this two days ago. A woman's dad came through to say that he 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 referred to himself as a jerk, and he said that he was a narcissist, and she didn't know what the word was. So I explained to her, and she still didn't understand. And this is a grown woman in her fifties. And I said, well, he says he's responsible for the way that you continue to find men like him. And she goes, oh, yeah, now I get it. <laughs> what? And she goes, oh, now I get it. She goes, yeah, yeah, okay, now I see what you mean. Now I know what a narcissist is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like okay. this. And I said, well, why did that just kind of ring a bell? Oh, my God, because I keep saying uh, my whole life I've had four husbands and every single one of my four husbands exactly like my father. Treats me the exact same way my dad did. And it's like, oh, Okay, then this is why your dad's coming through to say that he was he was a certain way. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to apologize that he pushed you into being a people pleaser. He brought you into a certain school system or whatever, because it helped him achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And it helped keep you in a he had control over you a control over situation. And then you married men that did the same thing to you. Mm -hmm. He's trying to help you so that for the rest of your life, the next 30 years, you can experience a partnership with another man that isn't going to be a control over and that you don't, you can surrender the people pleasing mm-hmm. that you're actually going to be liked for who you are. And she goes, what? That the idea that she could be liked for who she is was so huge. She was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's terrifying because then at that point, who are you? Yeah. If all you are is a people pleaser and figuring out other people's realities, who am I? Yeah. And and I think too, you know, and if I'm not people pleasing, well, then who is going to vacuum? Uh, Well, then who is going to pick the kids up? Well, then who is going to um, do all the extra work for the boss? Because I'm the one that's doing all of it. One of the things I found too, as a people pleaser in my past, I was always the one that was staying late, doing extra work at work. I was the secretary that gave 150% instead of 100 or 50. And I was the one that was laid off. My coworker, who could say no, could tell everybody off. She got, she ended up staying. I ended up being surplused, which blew my mind because I thought, well, don't they want the, the worker who's working extra time and overtime? Why did they take the girl that goes home at five o'clock on the nose every day? I'd stay till seven. And it was like, I realized that in all of the people pleasing that I did it so that I would get something. Mm-hmm. How could they let me go? They should have let her go. And so here comes the anger because I don't feel I'm being appreciated. Even though really my intention was not good. It was to make sure that if anybody was going to let go, it wouldn't be me. But had you said that to me at the time, I wouldn't even have known it. I would have just thought I was being a really good girl. Mm-hmm. But Underneath that, it was the fear of I've got to keep my job or I've got to keep this relationship going or this marriage or this, you know, I've got to keep overextending. Yeah. Yeah. So the belief of I've got to keep the status quo going means that I've got to maintain this level of energy. Um, and, And that's important. It's important for people to hear. You have to maintain a level of energy that is beyond what you normally can or what is healthy for you. Mm -hmm. And so land in a doctor's office or a hospital or a therapist's office or crying with girlfriends over coffee or uh, over dinner every Friday night with the girls, 
or your group of guy friends complaining about the same thing over and over again that's exhausting me. Well, now you're exhausting your friends. You're exhausting everybody with your crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting if people can can recognize all of that. And, you know, if someone's listening to this and says, okay, you've given enough examples. Here, what about the tools? Well, we said some of the tools. But what I'm also finding is that it, you have to make it really clear what the tools are about self-care, self-love, listening skills, communication skills. It's good to say the names of all the authors so that even if you don't read a book, you can get a book on tape. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was, I'm just thinking because you said it's re- it's important to be really cl- um, clear about those tools. And you mentioned self-love. And in my experience of coaching, when I've said that, people are like, well, I took a bath and it didn't work. And I said, and I'll <laughs> say to them, okay, well, do you like baths? No. And it's like, well, then that's not an act of self-love. That's torture. <laughs> I like baths. That works for me. That doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have this idea of soothing and gentleness and, and what self-love is supposed to be. Again, someone else telling us what it is mm-hmm. instead of figuring out what it is for ourselves. And I think um, if you are a people pleaser and you have no idea what we're talking about when we say self-love, you have come by that very honestly mm-hmm. because you have spent so long living in someone else's reality that you don't know what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know what you like. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. It's not okay to continue living that way. But once you realize, I don't know, then we need to start asking better questions so that those tools can be clear for you specifically. A book I love about asking questions, just a book of questions, is the Emotional Intelligence Workbook by Jill and Derek Dan. Mm-hmm. And it literally is a workbook of just questions where you can not just answer them like it's your workbook and you've got to do the work, which is good, but also that it teaches you how to ask different questions of yourself or other people or experiences you're going through. And by and just by asking yourself a different question, you can come up with a different perspective or a different answer or different choices. Mm-hmm. And that's those are the new tools. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Me too. <laughs> Okay, bye. Oh, seriously. No, let's oh. let's not do that. Oh, let's open it up. I love how fast you get done with something. Um, no people please are there. Not <laughs> even going to say goodbye. Um, okay, so let's open the floor up and just say that anyone who uh, found something interesting today, liked an example and wanted us to touch on something a little bit more, um, or brainstorming topics that you'd like to hear about, please feel free to email us. It's info at buysarlo.com. You can also contact us through the website at buysarlo.com. And buysarlo, B-Y-S-A-R-L-O.com. Awesome. We will talk to you next time.